Do you feel beautiful? Do you look beautiful? Does one really affect the other? Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out with host Bonnie Bonadeo. In our show, we'll help you uncover your true self and unleash beauty that you never knew existed in order to be at your best, both inside and out. Now, here is your host, Bonnie Bonadeo. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out. I'm your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, and it is still June, and June being one of my favorite months and also being my birthday month. I celebrated my birthday last week. Um, I dedicate all my shows to awareness campaigns, organizations, or nonprofits. And so this month, we have some great shows for you guys to listen to, for you guys to be in action of, for you guys to learn something about it, and uh, you know maybe share it with other people that you know as well. So last week, we had on Meredith and her son, Ryan, and they talked about ovarian awareness, and they were from the... Uh, the ovarian uh, coalition um, and nothing but awareness, creating complete awareness around ovarian cancer because part of the reason why is that it's considered one of the silent killers in cancer because you don't know that you have anything going on until it's possibly too late when you're in stage three and stage four. And of course I lost my dearest friend, um, Elena White to ovarian cancer. And by the time she did finally figure it out from a doctor at the age of 35, Um, she was in stage four. And so she passed away um, a year and a half ago at this point. And um, so I want to make sure that ovarian cancer is always, always uh, a conversation that we're going to have and make sure that everybody is aware of that. Now, as we kind of progress through our, the rest of the month, I'm going to give you some insight, then I'm going to introduce my fabulous guest. So next week, we're going to be working with Selena. She's from Harade. And what she's done is she's gone into underdeveloped countries, recruited some amazing hairdressers, and taught these people in these underdeveloped countries how to cut hair so that they can make a living for themselves. She's going to share with us all about that and how we can be involved uh, with her organization called Hair Aid. And we're going to close out the month of June with a fabulous awareness conversation about dementia and Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, how we can start having a bit more awareness around it and uh, ways to be able to take care of our loved ones. So I'll have two guests on with me. That will be the um, Kevin. He's the president and founder of the organi- the Alzheimer's organi- or Dementia um, Awareness Organization. And then Carmen, she has a beautiful Facebook page that I've been on recently um, and participating with and engaging in. Um, that's called um, uh, Daughter's with uh, loved ones with dementia and I'll, I'll get all that cleaned up next week with them. But um, cause my father is currently in some, in like stage four or five of dementia at this point. And so trying to learn everything I can to be able to support my mom who's being the caregiver right now. But today we have a great conversation and our show is actually titled um, to, to be able to keep your beautiful crown during chemotherapy. And my guest today is Bethany Hornthal and she is, She really, I think we all are aware that we know somebody with cancer. And in a lot of cases, we know somebody with cancer that's going to have to go through some treatments of chemotherapy. And looking at sometimes going through chemotherapy, one of the really devastating things that happens to us is that we actually, in the chemotherapy phase, we lose our hair. Now, not everybody, but the majority of the people, usually a couple of weeks out, start to see massive hair loss. And some women knowing going into their treatment have, you know, decided to kind of like 
shave it all off before they start even their treatment so they don't have that that anxiety and that um, moment where they just have handfuls of hair um, in their hand. And then that just makes the emotional part of the whole treatment um, going bad. So Bethany has started an organization called Hair to Stay. And it's a nonprofit organization that helps women to be able to support some funding to what they're calling this cool process that actually can keep your hair during chemotherapy. Now, Bethany, thank you so much for coming back on Beauty Inside and Out and sharing this because I know that you've had, since we've had you on, I believe it was 2017, we've had, you've had a lot of success. You've had a lot of great success stories. Um, And this cooling system, which you'll give me all the facts about it here too as well, um, has really come a long way and is getting more and more popular within oncology offices. So women can now start requesting this particular service. And um, of course, then we want to hear a little bit about how you're supporting women to be able to fund that service because it's not covered by insurance at this point. Um, But before we go into Hair to Stay and all the wonderful things that you've done, please give us a little bit more insight about you and how you even came to getting involved in this particular type of work. Okay. Well, so thank you, Bonnie. I appreciate being on here. I appreciate what you do to create awareness in more than breast cancer, more than hair loss in many different fields. There are way too many important causes in our world uh, that people need to be aware of. And we have a lot of choices about what to support. And I respect anybody's choice, but I really respect that you give people information um, because that's what we need. So um, my story is not so, (laughs) I think, integral to what I'm doing uh, so much as I think recognizing uh, an epidemic um, that was and is very serious in this country. Breast cancer uh, certainly was known to me in terms of both of my grandmothers um, had breast cancer. My One of my grandmothers passed away from breast cancer and my mother died at a very young age of a totally different cause. And so I don't know, um, but I do know that my family carries the BRCA gene. And I I didn't know at the time, I began to do some work for one of the rock stars, I think, in breast cancer, Laura Esserman. Dr. Esserman runs the University of California, San Francisco Breast Cancer Center. And my background is in marketing and communications and development work. And what I was supposed to do for her was raise funds for her trials and her innovative ideas as a researcher and a surgeon. And along the way, um, came across a patient nine years ago who uh, was about to undergo a mastectomy and said, you know, it's one thing that I'm going to lose my breasts, but I have to tell you that the thought that I'm going to lose all of my blonde curly hair and I'm going through a divorce and I'm losing my breasts and is just too much. And I understand that in Europe, that isn't happening all the time, that there is a way that women are being are saving their hair and why aren't we doing it here? So that really created a call to action, not that the doctors had never heard that there was scalp cooling, but no one was taking it seriously in the United States. So Laura asked me to do a little research, which I did, and to see if it was actually happening and working, and it was. And this was happening, uh, there were two companies in Europe that had scalp cooling machines. 
And so we did the research. And then the next job was to decide if we wanted to try and get FDA clearance in this country, which we did. And so, which we wanted to. So we raised the funds to do that. There were five sites around the country. And we ran the trial, 122 women with breast cancer um, put on these cold caps. And if you want, at any point in time, I can explain why they should work. Should you want me to go ahead and, and explain that now? Yeah, finish your story and we'll go into okay. the details on that okay. for sure. So they did, um, it took us five years um, not to find 122 women who wanted to save their hair. That took about five minutes, but it took <laughs> us five years to get through five different sites uh, doing the trial and the FDA, looking at the results. And finally, in uh, December of 2015, we received clearance to be able to have scalp cooling marketed by the company that we had found in Sweden with that particular machine in this country. At that point, I had spent a lot of time in infusion centers learning about scalp cooling, learning about infusion centers, and also learning about the insurance industry. And the most distressing news was here we were bringing in this great new treatment and technology. And guess what? Some of us could afford it. And some of us couldn't. And many of us wouldn't be able to. So that kind of prompted me to um, feel a little bit responsible and a little bit guilty for working on something and bringing, helping to bring something here that then was only going to be available to uh, people with financial means. And that started my journey into figuring out how to subsidize patients for scalp cooling. And, and here I am, three, I don't know, nine years later, but uh, really three years into um, having co-founded Hair to Stay and subsidizing patients. And um, we've done quite a number of patients at this point. I'm, I'm, it's kind of a mixed thing. I'm always happy to say and sad to say, you know, that there's that many patients that need this. So, yeah, yeah, I totally understand that, that there's that, that we're still trying to figure out cures for cancer and we're still trying to figure out the most effective type of treatments, um, you know, we know that radiation and chemotherapy are still kind of those number one and number two type of treatments that, that most patients are going through, but there's a lot of new trials. There's a lot of new, um, you know, uh, methods that are, that are being introduced. Um, and I know one of the things that I appreciated was uh, I think that law that, that Trump finally did pass where it's, you know, right to try where people have the right to try doesn't mean insurance is going to take care of it. Doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, inexpensive or anything, but at least we know that there's going to be more choices out there. And of course, I think the, the cold cap or the, the scalp cooling process is yeah. a great alternative because I, I think, you know, this Bethany and, and many of us women that, you know, our hair is, is part of our identity. Right. And well, it's, it's, it is difficult. It's emotionally difficult for women alone to go through the treatment, but then to not look like themselves. Yeah. There's a lot to that. Um, first of all, there is a study done that shows that one in 12 uh, women will turn down chemo because of fear of hair loss. So that in and of itself is a wake-up call to the fact that saving your hair could mean losing your life at some level. And that's, mm. that is no joke. That is true. That's a reality. And that's one that we need to get rid of because we can. Um, 
And so that that is one of the most serious pieces of data that I saw and found that got me as motivated to really make this something that was a very real opportunity and option. Um, but yes, we hear, we do a post and a, a pre and a post treatment survey for our recipients if they opt in. And we have hundreds of people who have said everything from, you know, young women uh, with children. It's traumatizing mm-hmm. to to see mommy bald when, you know, is she dying? That's their first assumption. Depending upon their age, they will either, you know, just automatically assume that and you can't even explain away that something's very wrong and they're going to worry. And so there are many mothers who are more upset about traumatizing their children than their own situation. It's also privacy. Why Mm -hmm. should everybody know that you're being treated for cancer? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have significant funds, why should a potential employer, you know, who could react because they see a scarf or they recognize a wig and you may not get that job, even though they won't tell you that that's the reason. Yeah. There's also just a sense of normalcy. You look in the mirror and you see the person you recognize, or you might look in that mirror and see somebody who you completely don't identify as yourself. And that's pretty frightening. And that makes you put yourself into a category of not being who you are or not being well. And so there is there is a big perception and it's and it's it's one that we're that we should be somewhat grateful for. But it still is perceived as if somebody is going through treatment and they're not looking sick and they're not losing their hair. People are like, oh, are they really sick, which is shameful. Because now, you know, there are there are new opportunities that people can go through it and still live an active life um, while going through treatment. And obviously, hair loss is one of the biggest visual, you know, uh, components of somebody saying, you know, I'm sick, I'm going through treatment, I'm having chemotherapy. And you're right, there's a lot of um, unwarranted discrimination intentional or unintentional, it doesn't matter. I think that it's still, people still feel that there could be potential discrimination against them because they're going through some treatments and everything. They also get approached at grocery stores and in fitness classes and wherever. And if they have lost their hair, there's many times that people will just say, oh, I'm sorry, you're going, you know, it's like a constant reminder and it's, you know, something. And then if you look like yourself, you have that option of passing as being fine and having nobody, you know, come up to you and, and sort of have those eyes of sympathy or, or whatever, or whatever. And so it's it, the privacy piece and the ability to tell who you want to tell uh, is empowering. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's um, certainly that, that opportunity that, when we can look our best, we can feel better. And if we're feeling better, we're emotionally creating opportunities to be healthier and recover right. faster. Right. And they know this. They know this under you know some emotional intelligence data that a lot of these hospitals, I know the Mayo Clinic did a, a big uh, thing on this in regards to emotional intelligence, that you know if, if they really treated the person, and not just the disease, there was a whole difference in how quickly they were able to recover and how little medication they actually required or treatments compared to when they were when they were really being treated compassionately as a human. 
And I think that then once you somebody knows you're sick and you're out in the world, it feels it could be perceived as compassion. But you're right. It's a reminder that you're being noticed. That right. You're sick. right. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things we are trying to do with the insurance industry is is find the information. I mean, my, our surveys, we ask about the impact that a patient feels this has on them. And we want to prove this sense of well-being that actually for people to be able to still be social and go and do the kinds of things that they were doing, you know, book club and fitness classes and cooking club, whatever else, that that leads to less isolation and, and well-being. And so insurance companies want you to be well because they don't want to have to pay for any other things that you have to deal with or however long, you know, and you so would think that's what health insurance advantage. is designed for. You know, it's to their advantage to have a person heal faster and more completely and whatever. And so, you know, we're working to show the well-being piece as a reason, another reason to get on the bandwagon and support. Mm, I love that. So, Bethany, will you then tell us a little bit about Hair to Stay and what it, what service um, it actually yeah. offers to patients that might be going down this path? Okay. So the best way to think about Hair to Stay is as uh, an organization that's going to write a check to you <laughs> um, as a patient. We, um, our role as we see it is to be, to be informative. Um, we get a lot of calls and the website has a lot of information. But the biggest role that we play is really to level the playing field so that if somebody comes to us and they have an income we have sort of two types of funds. We have a national fund that will cover anybody anywhere in the country who is at a certain income level. And our national level is up to three times the federal poverty level is considered an eligible individual. Mm -hmm. uh, and that would be about $36,000 for one person, $78,000 for a family of four. That's the level for the national fund. We also have donor-targeted funds in certain places. So in Texas, in uh, Atlanta, in North Carolina, we have individuals or foundations that have said, I want to fund patients in these geographic areas, mm -hmm. or I want to fund patients at this hospital, for instance. And there, they give us a certain amount of money, and they pick the eligibility criteria. So frequently, the eligibility criteria is a little, little bit lower. So it might be four times the federal poverty. It, it might be closer to $50,000. Uh, we give patients who are approved then as being eligible either $1,000 or $1,500 usually. Those are the two. The national program will write checks every time a patient receives an invoice for scalp cooling. And we can, cost, we can talk about the cost of scalp cooling, which is very important. Um, and let me just do that as long as we're here. Um, so scalp cooling, there are two different approaches. One is a machine that's at a hospital, okay, and delivers that treatment with a nurse, on, a clinical oncology nurse, hooks you up to the machine and turns it on. And through your infusion, you have the scalp cooling. And when you're done, you stay a little longer, maybe 90 minutes to complete that. And then you leave. That's one approach. That's the automated approach. That's what has FDA clearance. The other approach is if you're in an infusion center that doesn't have one of the 
machines, and there are probably about 400 medical centers now with machines, um, up from zero. Mm, when we first great. talked, it was probably about 50. Um, if you're a place where they don't have it, then you can rent caps, cold caps that come to you and you have an igloo cooler usually and you may need to get dry ice or you may ha- have a freezer at that hospital that you can use. And you will need to change those caps every 30 minutes during the process of chemo so that they stay cold um, because your head will warm them up. So the way companies charge is either if it's an automated machine, they usually charge by the treatment. So that each treatment that you have, you can figure is going to cost somewhere in the vicinity of $400. If you rent monthly, you can also figure that each month, because a lot of times chemo is every three weeks or so. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way for me to think of it, because the companies have different prices, is about $400 a month. Um, The number of chemo infusions depends on the type of cancer you have. Um, But frequently we find that people are winding up paying about somewhere between $1,200 and $3,000 total. That's kind of the range. We are usually covering between 60 and 80% of the cost of that treatment in what we're doing. Um, So that gives you a little sense of that. And now I'm trying to remember where I was when I went off into the idea of cost. What were you asking me? Um, just, yeah, a little bit more about the, how you provide the service. So, okay. so, yeah, so what we do is once we determine that a patient is eligible, we send them an approval letter. Um, we have also done a certain amount of, I don't know whether this is a legal term or not, but we have sort of price fixed now. We have enough clout, I guess, that we have every qualified supplier. We have seven different scalp cooling suppliers that we will subsidize patients who use those. All of those are required by us to charge no more than $300 per month or per treatment. So we have worked out for for hair to stay recipients a lower price so that at the end of the day, we really are funding a bigger percentage of their cost and they are paying less for the service. So that's helpful. So when they get an invoice, whether it's a monthly invoice or a per treatment invoice, they immediately send that to us. And we immediately write a check to cover our percentage of that cost. So it's a pretty simple um, service that we're providing. We are really just trying to make it possible for somebody to afford scalp cooling. Oh, that's great. Now, we're going to take a break here in just a couple of minutes. So I wanted to just address that when we come back from the break, I do want to hear a little bit more about the you know, what knowledge you have in this cold cap scalp cooling process. Um, And then we'll go through how people can apply um, if they're in that situation and everything. But in the meantime, Bethany, thank you, first of all, for, you know, heading up and creating this organization to be able to help women, because even though it got federally approved um, in 2015, I still think there's a lot of women out there that don't have an awareness that this exists. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And it is scary, that statistic that you just shared, that one in 12 women will turn down chemo, you know, for fear of losing their hair. Um, And that's really not a good reason. Yeah. (laughs) Especially now that there is something. And I guess I would have thought that it would have been more expensive. So to hear the numbers that you just shared with us is pretty exciting. Um, 
that it's more affordable than I thought it was going to be and that you're working with how many six or seven different companies seven. that offer this? Both automated suppliers and five manual cap suppliers. And that's a reason why some of the costs are maybe a little bit less this year than a year ago. Um, that was sort of what can the market bear? You know, yeah. nobody, you know, these people are also in, in business. And so, uh, so that I think that having seven suppliers, um, people have a choice. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it's not a, it, you know cancer is expensive. So if you're going through all the expenses and you may not be working, this is an additional expense in and of itself. It may not seem so overbearing to us, but I think in when you put it in context with everything else that somebody is being hit with, it you know it can feel like another. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to, I'm going to do a quick sponsor message and then we're going to go to a break. And I can't wait to find out a little bit more about this, this process and how your organization is helping more women than ever before um, when we come back from that break. But first, let me share with you, our sponsor is um, Stages Speaker Speaking and Branding um, Course. So it's a two-day workshop that's going to be handled, handled headed up here in... <laughs> I was on two podcasts earlier today where I was a guest and none of us could talk straight. So there must be something going on in the air today. Um, It's going to be here in Atlanta, uh, September 15th and 16th. Now it's a two day program. So here's, here's who it would be for. So maybe you're a podcaster or radio host person. You might be a leader. You might be an educator. You might be somebody like Bethany that has to go out and Uh, have conversations with big groups of people and organizations to be able to get and support the funding that she's doing. Overall, the majority of the people that attend stages are people that need to communicate more effectively and understand their brand message in such a way that they actually make an impact in being able to have those conversations with other people. So if you're interested in attending stages, the two-day program here in Atlanta, September 15th and 16th, you can go to Stages speakingcourse.com. All the information is there, stagespeakingcourse.com. Great. Okay, you guys, we're going to take a break real quick. And when we come back, Bethany's going to share with us more about Hair to Stay. Thanks. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Hey gals, is your makeup bag and drawer a mess like mine? Well, after years of professional experience working with both celebrities, beauty queens, and everyday women, Sherry Jessie has created a beautiful line of accessories to be able to help us perfect and organize our beauty routine. It's called Sherry Jessie Elegant Organized Beauty, and it features a unique magnetized makeup palette with original artwork to fashionably consolidate your makeup into an easy-to-carry, elegant compact. So you just carry what you need, allowing you to have your entire face in one place. Plus, check out hundreds of Sherry's beauty tutorials on her website, sherryjessie.com. And that's where you can also purchase your very own organizing makeup bag and magnetic palette so you too can feel elegant, organized, and beautiful. Be sure to use the discount code BEAUTY25 to save 25% off at sherryjessie.com. That's S-H-E-R-R-I-J-E-S-S-E-E.com. SherryJessie.com. Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication? 
selling, or public speaking skills. Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions, to profits, to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. That's Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. My guest is Bethany Hornthal. She is from the Hair to Stay organization. This is a nonprofit organization, and I love the way she shared it. She says, you could think of us as somebody that's going to write you a check. And the writing of the check is to be able to support women going through chemotherapy and with particular cancers that will lose their hair. And it's called um, scalp cooling or cold cap process that she helps women qualify for some funding to be able to offset the payment of it because we know that insurance is not covering this particular service in there. But Bethany, you have a very rich background um, and you shared a little bit with us in our first segment, but you really, you've gone out of your way to be able to help raise funds, help raise money, worked in Silicon Valley, um, you know, increased revenues in particular markets and organizations. Um, But most importantly, you're really passionate about helping women keep their hair through the hardest time of their life, which is what Hair to Stay is all about. So we talked in the first segment um, what Hair to Stay is, and we talked a little bit about the the two different type of treatments, the the, um, the treatment where a nurse sets you up and then a treatment where you have these and you bring them with type of thing. So That's I want to go through a little bit more on that, but can you share with us in the beginning then, are there particular cancers that qualify for the for the cold cap um, process? Right. Okay. So maybe we should do two things. Talk about how it works or why it works, which also helps explain which types of cancers Perfect. best work. So the reason scalp cooling works uh, is because what it does is by chilling down the scalp, you're basically creating something called vasoconstriction, meaning the blood vessels get cold. And when you get cold, what do you do? You go like this, you tighten up, right? Everything tightens up. 
So when you tighten up, so do your blood vessels. So in the scalp, in the follicle, the blood vessel providing blood into the follicle is smaller. It tightens up, it constricts, and therefore chemo coming through your blood doesn't get in to the blood vessel, to the follicle in nearly the amounts that it would otherwise. It's probably 20% that will get through as opposed to 100%. So the first piece is this vasoconstriction. The second part is that many people have heard and know that chemo targets fast-growing cells. This is why it targets the hair, which is a very fast-growing cell. Your nails are fast-growing cells, and the mucous membranes in your body, including in your mouth, are fast-growing. That's why mouth sores are another problem with chemo. So when you chill down a cell, you also slow down the metabolism of the cell. It doesn't replicate itself nearly as quickly. It's that replication so quickly that makes it vulnerable because it's in those constantly changing states to a chemo. So if you preclude the amount of chemo coming through and you slow down the cell's receptivity to chemo, you basically are helping to protect the follicle. Mm. And that's why chemotherapy, I mean, chemotherapy works, but that's why scalp cooling works with chemotherapy and why when people ask me, well, my husband's bald, do you think he could put out a cold cap? And would that help? The answer is no. So um, it is very specific to this issue. Now, in terms of types of cancers, it started out as a breast cancer only treatment in this country. That's where we tested it. And that's what the FDA cleared. We knew that was not the end of the story for scalp cooling and what it could do and why it you know, should be available. It's now cleared for all solid tumor cancers. Mm. Now, that means that any cancer that presents itself as a solid tumor is a possibility if you have a chemo that's going to cause hair loss for you to use. Now, the, t- the cancers that aren't included are the blood cancers. So leukemia, lymphoma, multiple myeloma. Those are the big ones that are blood cancers. And now if you're understanding a little bit about what the scalp cooling does, the reason you don't want to use it with a blood cancer is because when you have a blood cancer, it's circulating everywhere in your body through your blood. You don't want to create a sanctuary anywhere in the body Mm -hmm. where you're not continuing to kill the cancer. So that's why it's used for solid tumor cancers. And then the argument, if you're really sophisticated about this, is, well, what about if there are some metastases, if the cancers travel to your scalp? If you're protecting the scalp, maybe you're going to get scalp metastases. The cancer is going to create scalp cancer. Well, the issue for breast cancer is that scalp metastases are about 1% of the time you would ever see them. And more importantly, by the time... Cancer is fatal when cancer occurs in an organ. So the scalp is not considered one of those places where you're going to be that worried. And it, it would not be the first place for a recurrence. You would likely have a recurrence in a much more significant and, and challenging and dangerous place. So that's a long-winded answer to how does it work and what will it work best for. I think uh, one of the questions I get asked is about pediatric cancer. And there I would say that it's more about practicality. First of all, much pediatric cancer is leukemia. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't be using it for that. 
On the other hand, there are a number of bone cancers um, that occur in children. And I do think that we will see this with especially adolescent girls in the not too distant future, because in with, you know, it's not a comfortable treatment. You are going to be cold. The head is cold. And while only two out of the 122 patients in the trial decided that they didn't like the feeling enough to stop, I mean, most everybody I know goes through. They are now sometimes taking a Tylenol before they start or an Ativan just to take the edge off of that chill. But a small, a young boy is not going to tolerate this feeling. And even, you know, men, as we know, may not have as much interest in handling that discomfort in order to save their hair. But young children, it is a lot for a young child. So, So that's who is primarily using it right now. The vast majority that we see are in breast cancer. But I have to tell you an interesting story that ties together the beauty industry and the hair care industry and this whole. I was at O'Hare this <clears throat> year or this past year, bless you. Thank and you. Um, I got a phone call while I was there from a gentleman uh, in Ohio. And he said, you know, I, I want to ask you about scalp cooling. I have prostate cancer. And I said, okay, well, you can, you know, scalp cooling can be an option. And, but by the way, how did you find out about to call me? And he said, well, my wife went to her stylist, to her salon, and the stylist gave her your card and told her, when she told the stylist that her husband was diagnosed with prostate cancer, the stylist said, well, have you heard that he may not have to lose his hair? which was wonderful because I had gone to one of the conferences that you and I have seen each other at and a salon, a style had picked up my cards. And here was the reason that I am talking to you and this industry, because there are no, the people in this industry are first of all, incredibly generous Second of all, passionate about what they're doing and understand the importance to people of their appearance and their hair and how deep that is. And third, nobody talks more intimately to more people in a period of time than a stylist. So, I mean, they are frequently the first ones to hear or the very next, the first ones to hear that a patient is going to be going through a cancer treatment. So this industry we are aligned with, I think, for all good reasons, and the awareness that is happening in education of the marketplace that's coming through the salons um, is very significant. When we started, you know, I mean, in the beginning, 0% of people knew about scalp cooling, but even when I did a survey of 400 people in the early days, 10% said they were aware of it. I don't even think that was true. Um, and those 10% were probably in California and New York and maybe, you know, just where these tests were being done originally, the trials. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, have a, we have a much higher level of awareness now, but not really. Just, we have a great level of awareness in breast oncologists. So people with breast cancer, when they come into their oncologists, they are more likely to hear about it. Not always though, because a doctor may not want to necessarily go down that path and explain the whole thing. And so I still get calls from patients who say, you know, 
my oncologist kind of said it doesn't really work or why should I care? I should just care about my life and makes them feel guilty in a certain way sometimes that this is a concern of theirs. And um, so we're still that's, that's the part we need to work on because that's the part when people feel normal and look normal in their life, they heal faster. And so those are the doctors that we want to work with and have them overcome that because those are doctors that are just treating the disease, not the person. Right, exactly. And And I get it. I get that some of them really are passionate about making sure they're treating the disease and they don't want maybe some levels of interference or maybe what they consider to be some vanity things into that conversation of their treatment. But I'm sorry, if women can go out into the workforce take care of their children, you know, and be, go to the grocery store and not have people look at them like they're sick. They're going to do so much better. You know, we had an interesting thing uh, take place where one day we started to see these donations coming through um, on our site or uh, through PayPal. And I had no idea what was causing them. And so one of the names of, you know, we send out an automatic thank you and we had the email. And so I, I sent an email to the person. I said, how did you, you know, how'd you find out about this? And she said, oh, well, a dear friend of mine is going through scalp cooling and she sent me an email and told me about, you know, uh, that there was scalp cooling and that there was this company organization called Hair to Stay and that she asked if we would support Hair to Stay. So I was getting these checks from people and lo and behold, she gave me this person's name. Turns out she was being treated at UCSF of all places. And I went um, and and I emailed her and I asked her when her next chemo was. And I actually went to her chemo session. Mm. And um, the, one of the things that I found out was that even at a very enlightened institution where the, one of the oncologists and the head of this, this institution made it possible to do scalp cooling in this country one of the oncologists had kind of poo-pooed it to her that she maybe, you know, did she really want to do it? She ended up switching to another oncologist and she was sitting in the chair doing scalp cooling. Now it takes a lot of courage for somebody to, you know, to change doctors and to defy in essence, a doctor, your cancer doctor. So I thought this was over. I thought, oh, we, you know, we've convinced everybody. Well, we haven't even, you know, when I find out in my own backyard in a, in the institution that it all started from, there are still a few people that are kind of, you know, well, maybe it does. Then I know we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So. Now, the ones and the two treatments that you talked about, Bethany, one was that they actually have the machine right in right. the office or within the right. facility. And a nurse is then required to apply the cap and set right. up the machine and right. do all of that, right? The right. other one is, is it's being shipped to my home and I'm bringing it with me and asking them to either freeze it, keep the caps cold, or right. I'm dry icing it to keep my caps cold. Right, right. Those are the two, manual versus automated. Both, I want to stress, both can be equally effective. So if you aren't going to some place that has a machine, do not think that you will have a less positive outcome. It really can be as effective. And in some cases, in the most toxic chemos, I will tell you, 
that there can be benefits to the manual because you can go home and continue to keep your head, your scalp cold. And in, in some of this has to do with the half-life of the chemo. And in the very, very strongest chemos, you may want to be chilling that scalp a little while longer. So, um, however, the automated system, hands down, is going to be easier for a patient because right. it's less they, for them. Because can the patient do it all themselves when they get once they get set up for their treatment? In which situation? In the in the one that the uh, the the. Machine? The manual one, the one that they're oh, bringing with, they're no. taking it all on or they still need support. No. You have to have somebody with you for every infusion. And remember, it's only done during infusion, but you have to have somebody because you have to take measure, you have to check the temperature in the automated machines. They maintain a constant temperature that is the right temperature to keep for the chill in the caps, they're going to warm up. So somebody has to be monitoring the temperature for you and knowing that every 20 to 30 minutes, getting another cap for you, cap ready, put it on, put it on right, you know, so it does take more effort. It, it is not as convenient and it requires a team. Um, and okay. so if you have a good support system, that's an option. But if you don't have a good support system, maybe look into the machines or the oncologists and facilities that have that provided. It's true. There's also, um, there are companies. Now, in my, my population cannot afford this uh, luxury, but a number of the manual cap companies have, there's a new industry that's sprung up called cappers. And these are people who will go with you to the infusion and they will put the cap on and they're professional at it. They know what they're doing. And there is a fee they charge for each day that they're Ooh. with you. Um, but that's an option. One of the companies calls it the white glove service. So again, not something that our patients are really have the access to, but many people can. So there's a way to make even the manual cap a little easier to deal with. Oh, that's good to know. Now, based on wearing this cap while you're going through your chemo treatment, um, right. is it is there still a percentage of hair loss that's that you're I'm so glad have? you brought that up. So glad you brought it up. No one should think they're going to keep 100% of their hair. Okay. You're not. I mean, I've had people tell me they did. It's almost impossible. You know, there is, it's first of all, your body's going through stress. And when your body goes through stress, your oh, hair falls hair. out whether you're doing chemo or not. So you're going to have thinning um, probably. In scalp cooling, again, it depends on the type of, there's a few different variables. The chemo is probably the most important variable, the type of chemo. Some cause minimal hair loss, uh, some we, and, and the less toxic, the better job the scalp cooling is going to do. Mm. Uh, but we usually say about 70% of your hair. When we did this, when we did the trial, the FDA required that to get the approval, the clearance, quote unquote, it's not. 50% of the patients would have to maintain, keep 50% of their hair. And the truth is, if you keep 50% of your hair, people That's still good. don't have to know, right? right. And it's not like yeah. we were, I think we showed that 69% of the patients kept at least 50% of their hair. And what I see mostly people, I ask people to judge how much of their hair they maintained in some of, in the surveys. And we're seeing 70% as um, that they're maintaining roughly in the 70% category. Sometimes yeah. what happens is that those are good odds. They are. And what you might have 
is that there's a patch where you didn't have the cap really firmly on the head mm-hmm. and right in that spot and you will lose the hair right there. Now, that one of the beauties of scalp cooling is that the next time you do chemo, if that piece is, that area is protected, you can start to grow the hair back even while you're in chemo as opposed right. to waiting till Until it's you're done. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so there now, we're, we talked about putting the cap on the hair and the head, but I know that some patients lose their eyebrows and eyelashes. Is because you're cooling the head, is there still opportunities for them not to lose eyebrows and eyelashes? I am afraid not. Um, okay. Those are going to still, unless, I don't know if people are putting ice cubes or anything on the eyebrows. That might be a possibility. I know that there are gloves um, for people for hands and feet now. And I even know that the man who was the CEO originally of the scalp cooling company, one of them is working on a product for inside the mouth to cool it Mm -hmm. so that you don't get the mouth sores. But I'm afraid that the eyebrows, but they grow back much faster. Yes, um, they do. Eyelashes and eyebrows. So that's not quite as bad uh, a situation. Um, Should we talk at all about how the salons are getting involved? Yes, let's definitely, because I I, want to make sure that to the audience of all my followers in the salon biz here, um, how you guys can help Hair to Stay, how you can create awareness around it, and um, even support donations, too. It might be something that you as a team together um, provide donations. Because here's the thing I want to say about hairdressers. When you have a client that goes through chemotherapy and they come in and say, I'm having chemotherapy treatments, I need you to shave my scalp or cut my hair really short so it's not so dramatic for me, you don't have a client now for three, six, nine months, potentially even a year before they're coming back in to have services again. Um, so anytime that they can keep their hair, you have an ongoing client. So there, it, there really is a great amount of uh, opportunity for hairstylists to be sharing this, uh, this resource. Right. And if you happen to be the one that tells them that they can save their hair and they do, you become a, a hero. A <laughs> uh, hero. I love that. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. So tell us how the salons can do it. And then I want to make sure that we, that we build in time here because we're coming up to the last few minutes here. I want to make sure that we understand how people can qualify for the scholarship in a sense. So right. let's start with that first because we've yeah, got that's very easy. I mean, you go to hairtostay.org, www.hairtostay.org. There is a apply for a subsidy button. You push that, you will be given an online application there that you can fill out. And that's what you do. And then it tells you how to submit it. And um, there's there's even a number there that you can call if you have questions or anything else. So it's very simple. It will be handled within 24 hours of receiving it. You will want to have your income tax information available. That's the one thing that we will require in terms of information other than what you fill out. So that's pretty simple. Um, as far as how the hair care industry you know, what we say is every $1,000 transforms a patient's cancer journey. That's what it costs. We are writing checks. We started out with about two patients a week that we were approving. We're up to about 16 to 20 patients a oh, week. Oh, wow. And they are getting 1000 to $1,500 each, not every week, but for the, each of those patients. We've now subsidized over 1,350 patients. 
Um, so you can tell that's, that's wonderful. a that's wonderful, and that is a big appetite of demand, and it's only growing. So we are very concerned that we can continue to support. One of the things I'm most proud of is that we've never said no to a patient who is qualifies in our eligibility criteria, and I want to keep it that way. Oh yes. So is that based on then individuals and companies providing donations? Yes. And yes. is there a donation button on your website? There is a donation button on our website. We work with the hair care industry, one of the manufacturers. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say any names here. So sure, go ahead. No, let's acknowledge so my very that. first partner to all of this was is a company called Amica. Mm-hmm. And Amica gives us 1% of their, hair, their e-commerce sales. And it's amazing. And they also support, we have a big fundraiser. Um, this one's going to be Hair to Stay the Diva Way in San Francisco in November. They're a sponsor of that. They are going to come out with a hairspray in the fall around Breast Cancer Awareness Month that will be a hair to stay hair. It should be called hair to spray, right? Anyway, yeah. it's um, that You're they will clever. do. So we've got manufacturing. We have distributors. We have a hair care advisory board. We have Sydney Berry on it. We have Deborah Neal is has been a, a supporter. Mm-hmm. Yes, and these are these are cancer survivors. Yes, and they know why. And and Deborah Neal used scalp cooling. Yeah, um, and we have salons um, that are participating that are already involved with us that are doing. Sometimes they've been doing May Mother's Day. We just finished Mother's Day campaigns. We leave it to the salon to figure out because they each have a different way of doing business. Um, Guy Root, Scott J, uh, Scott Buchanan. Scott Buchanan put a um, uh, thing on the software and the POS system, you know, for hair to stay. His his front desk asked yeah, if he donated $10,000 later, 10 patients are are saving their hair because of Scott. Oh, I love that. So let's get the let's get the salon industry involved in this. Figure out a way. So whether you're a manufacturer, a distributor, uh, an individual or a salon, figure out a way that you guys can support and donate hair to stay because it also means clients to stay. Yep. Clients to stay in your salon. So that's really good. Bethany, thank you so much for being with us. So you guys go to hairtostay.org. You know, you're welcome back anytime. I'd love to hear more about this event that you're doing. And and, and as a guest, you guys can always promote on the Beauty Inside and Out page. Any events or any things that are coming up so that, and I'll make sure that they all get approved so we can continue to share what you're doing with our consumers. Thanks everybody for being here. Uh, Thanks to my sponsors, Stages Speaker and Brand Speaking and Branding Course. Um, And go to stagesspeakercourse.com to find out more about that. And then don't be, uh, be sure to stay with us next week as we talk with Selena um, and she's coming all the way from Australia. We're going to be uh, hosting her all the way from Australia to talk about hair aid in our nonprofit um, awareness month here in the month of June. Thanks, everybody. And remember to always be you in beauty. Thank you for listening to Beauty Inside and Out. Please join your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.